All right, so I'm here with Jay Rogers and John Hurst. So if you guys haven't had the privilege of talking with either of these guys about AI or about life in general, you're missing out. Um, Jay will talk your ear off about just about anything. We only have four hours. Yeah, so this is... That was a downer for me. <laughs> Tom's got the mute button ready for when Jay goes off. So, all right. So, John and Jay, why don't you just give us like a little brief overview of just what you do and how you've interacted with AI so far. If you guys haven't... Oh, wait. Show of hands. Who's listened to the podcast? Okay, cool. Yeah, give us a brief overview of what you do. That's cool. We tried to get some info out there beforehand. Sorry. So I was the lucky invite because I'm a software developer. So because of the time that I spend at a computer, I was labeled as an expert <laughs> in, in this topic. But uh, in all reality, I deal with AI mainly as an assistant. It's, it's truly transforming the way as a software developer, how we get things done. Um, seeing a lot of efficiencies increase. It's, it's been quite an interesting tool, but there's a lot of unknowns in this world as we enter this wild west of artificial intelligence. Yeah, thanks, Jay. Yeah, yeah my name is John Hurst, and I'm not a technologist like Jay, but I'm someone who has to uh, deploy technology and different solutions in the area of innovation for nonprofits. And so where we're using it, um, I work for an organization called SIL International, that supports the 7,000 languages of the world, and AI is just really, really critical for translation and for language uh, development and use. And so we've got a whole team of seven or eight people that all they do is work on how to deploy AI uh, around languages, and the, especially the smaller languages yeah. of the world. So that's kind of why I've been kind of focused on it and really learning a lot about it. Yeah, nice, thanks, John. Uh, my name is John, I'm a pastor, and I just like play with AI for fun. and make funny <laughs> pictures and I had to write my kids a bedtime story yesterday, and the kids were typing in that, and it was fascinating. It was very interesting. So my experience with it is minimal, so trust these guys, not me. Okay. Um, so I thought this question was fun, maybe. Um, you guys handle this as much as uh, in whatever way you'd like, but AI can pretty much do your homework now. So Andrew, earmuffs. Um, <laughs> AI can do your homework. Um, what would you guys have done when you were in high school if you had AI at your disposal? Entered it into chat GPT. Okay, you would, have, you would have fully availed yourself of its opportunities, yeah, yeah. Well, so to just unpack that a little bit more, obviously there's like the ethical dilemma of if a teacher specifically says, do not do this, but mm -hmm. at the end of the day, as a, as a student in, you know, classroom right now, I truly believe that when they're out of the classroom, they will have to embrace yeah. AI. Yeah. So actually having a student use it, artificial intelligence ethically is a better outcome yeah. than just being like, oh, don't use this technology that's actually going to revolutionize the way that we do things. Yeah. yeah. John, what would you have done? Yeah, thinking about that one, I, I would have probably like been angsty about it, right? Like, <laughs> can I use it? Can I not use it? How does this work? Yeah. But I think, I think at the end of the day, I, one of the things that, that I've always tried to do is, is look at new tools and go, well, so, so what can we do with this? and then engage other people, right, in, in saying, so, so what, what am I allowed to do, right? Mm -hmm. So probably talking to my teacher and saying, hey, you know, so how can I use this thing? What, what are the, what are the, I'm kind of a rule follower, so what are the rules, right? Yeah, right. What are the rules you want me to use here? And, and so I think that, uh, that got, like figuring out new rules is a real challenging thing today because mm -hmm. they're changing so fast, you yeah. know? Yeah. So being open and having a lot of dialogue about that. Yeah. I was a turd in high school, so I would have cheated for sure and just had like, what's the fastest way to get the work done? Uh, that's definitely what I would have done. 
All right, so really quick, just we talked about this on the podcast a little bit, so uh, let's be brief, Jay. But like, how does something like ChatGPT, how does it get its answers? Um, so what we do is we take a bunch of data and we load it in and it finds pattern in that data and we still don't fully understand, but it comes out to a conclusion and will tell us what it thinks. Yeah. It's not 100% accurate. And that's the thing that as a society, we're just trying to figure this out as we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. What I would add to that is, is essentially, um, it's not really thinking right, AIs, and ChatGPT is just one of these tools. There's lots of them. What it's doing is it's predicting the next right word, right? So it's got millions and millions of words that it's learned from the internet, and it's looking at them and going, okay, if the first word is excited, the next word might be uh, to be here, you know, and it just essentially predicts based on millions and millions of pieces of input. So it's a huge, big predicting machine. Yeah. that just has so much data that it can be right most of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what did we, we said it on the podcast. It was like Google, if you were to compare AI to Google, Google was like a librarian. So you go to the librarian and say, hey, where is this information? The librarian would take you to that shelf, whereas AI can actually go through and process that information and help you interpret, summarize, all that other stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then, how disruptive is this, probably? Again, I just want to like level set with some of the things we talked about on the podcast. We're going from the same, starting from the same launching point. Uh, this will be bigger than the internet. Okay. Printing press? I don't know. Uh, I don't know what I'm talking well, about. Well, printing press is massive, but <laughs> like, it, it, this is the first time that, it, like, everything that we talked about was just like the speed of information. Now, this is like the generation of information. Mm-hmm. Like, this is an uncharted territory other than. We have, as a society, have to now interface with something that's not real to tell us answers. We've mm-hmm. we've never had that as a society before. Yeah. Yeah. Another way to think about it is like 10x. Yeah. So, if it, the calculator was released in the 70s, <clears throat> before the calculator, no one thought that today we would not do any advanced math without augmentation, without help. Right? That was never even imagined. And now, of course, it's normal. But now you have to think that in the next 10 or 15 years like the calculator did it for that one little narrow area, AI will do it for absolutely every area. Whether you're cooking, whether you're Mm -hmm. gardening, whether you're doing a PhD, it really doesn't matter. It's just gonna kind of be embedded in every area. And so that's why I think, Jay, it's massive, like you're saying, because it's not super narrow, it's really, really broad in its implications. Yeah, yeah. John, I think when you and I were talking, we were talking about calculators and how when I was in school, teachers always told me you have to know your multiplication tables because you're never going to have a calculator with you all the time. And like, now we do. And even then, it was like we had them on the watch. So I was asking around for folks who like wore the calculator watch. And I found one. <laughs> Our very own Ian Ebler. Yeah. He's wearing it today. <laughs> yes. Uh, anybody else wear the calculator watch? Ian, you're one of a kind, my man. Uh, appreciate you so much. <laughs> okay, so what are some of the ethical challenges you guys have either run into in your profession or in, that you've kind of encountered as you've been studying, learning uh, about AI in general? Um, well, in my profession, it's just been very like, hey, I need this done. Tell me this code. It's been pretty straightforward. But just of seeing where AI is going, I'm starting to see 
where uh, I actually just read a Reuters article this morning on Google's investing into something called character AI. And we're going to start seeing where somebody like Snoop Dogg, for example, uh, no longer has to go and do an act or create something. They take all of his work and put it into AI. And then now we can interact with the Snoop Dogg or the AI version of Snoop Dogg. And <laughs> that will now start to influence society uh, across the masses. So um, that's a very concerning uh, behavior that I see as we move forward. Yeah. <laughs> Jay's toning it down, everybody. I'm really watering this down. <laughs> if, you want, if you want to unleash that's Jay, just a, private that's a very conversation. strange thought, Jay. Yeah. <laughs> Snoop Dogg giving advice on marriage. Let's say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the other one that I would say the really ethical area that I think I've been thinking a lot about is, so what, what AI has essentially done, and this happens with any new innovation, is it sucked in the entire internet. Whether it owned it or not, whether, whoever developed it, whoever created it, whatever they thought, whatever comment was made, and it's using all that data as if it were all equal, and as if it had the right to use it. And one of the real challenges, we're seeing a lot of lawsuits right now that are going to end up in the Supreme Court, they'll end up creating case law around it, but um, let's just take, if, if any of you have read John Grisham, you know, lawyer novels, right? John Grisham's part of a lawsuit, and he said, hey, listen, you sucked in all my novels, and I can mm -hmm. now go on to ChatGPT and say, hey, write me a short story in the, in the tone of John Grisham mm -hmm. about um, something about a lawyer who's in trouble with the law in this state, right? And it'll do it. Yeah. And so um, the whole area of ownership, and, and if you created something, does, does the computer have the right just to take it and mimic it and do whatever it wants with it. Uh, it's a real, real challenging area for us, and it's going to affect a lot of us who have jobs in the areas of creating things, right? Or we're wondering, is our stuff really going to be ours, right? And so mm -hmm. that's an area, an ethical area that I think has a lot of people really wrestling. Yeah, I think that's a good one. I've noticed a lot of content creators who have a ton of stuff out there on the internet already are really freaking out about this. Can I add uh, one I more point? <laughs> Yeah, go, Jay. Uh, the other thing that's been very concerning is the um, gasoline being added to the fire of misinformation. Yeah. Uh, that's, yeah. that's a really big thing. Um, I don't want to name any names, but there have been political figures who have used AI-generated photos in their campaign commercials, mm -hmm. and those incidents did not happen. Mm -hmm. So it's further polarizing these echo chamber mindsets, mindsets of the social media algorithms, but now they have tools of AI-generated stuff to now just further push you down that line. Yeah. And in fact, um, Meta just announced, I think this morning or yesterday morning, that uh, they're going to require all political advertisements that use AI in any way to actually list that they've used it. So mm -hmm. it, you, you'll see a lot of movement, especially as we move through the next year, mm -hmm. of people really wrestling with with what does it look like when, when AI is now part of our democratic process. Yeah, yeah. I thought I just read something about uh, all of the legislation that's going to be coming down to try to limit it and restrict it, and they're meeting with Congress and all that stuff. We'll see where that goes. Um, any other ethical challenges you guys have encountered or thought through? Those are like the two major the concerns things. on my side. <laughs> Less than four hours, Jay. Less than four hours. <laughs> it's true. Open-ended questions to Jay. I got to... Let's restrict those. Okay. <laughs> We're not chatting on my porch, Jay. All right. Um, so I liked this framework uh, from um, Andy Crouch, where 
he talked about how, oh, that slide was supposed to be up this whole time, <laughs> uh, where he talked about there's four components of the innovation bargain that he calls it. So he calls this an innovation bargain. Whenever there's this new technology, four components of it. The first two are now you can, the sec and the second one is you'll no longer have to. So like these are the promises. This is where marketer, marketing lives, right? They only tell you about these two. Uh, promoting this new technology. Now you'll be able to, and you'll no longer have to do this or that. But in that bargain, there's also, you'll no longer be able to, and now you'll have to, <laughs> okay? So nobody tells you about three and four when a new technology comes out. They only really tell you about one and two on the marketing end, and obviously that makes sense. So thinking about this through technologies that have already come out through the smartphone as an example, so smartphone, now you can, I actually made notes on this, so yay me, uh, communicate on the go, like wherever, uh, wherever you are. And you have information at the palm of your hand, wherever you are. The, you'll no longer have to go to a phone to call somebody. You'll no longer have to carve out a private space in your home for a computer, like those of us <laughs> who remember that, right? Like those family computer rooms or family computer areas. You don't have to go there anymore to communicate or get the information you need or even go back to the library, go comb through a ton of books. Like you'll no longer have to do that kind of stuff, right? That's the promise. And then next, you'll no, you'll no longer be able to, however, and this is part of the bargain that we didn't know at the outset, but you'll no longer be able to uh, leave work behind, right? So wherever you are, now your smartphone is right here and you always have it with you. So you, you can never really leave it unless you're super intentional about just putting your phone away, right? And fourth, now you'll have to respond to communication timely, <laughs> which means you'll always have to be on. Whereas in the past, before smartphones, et cetera, the I've heard our communications professor talked about this, where in the past, communication was primarily the onus of the one wanting to communicate with the other person. Like they had to write the letter, they had to go to them, they had to find them in order to communicate with them. Now we have so many different apps with kids in school, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose my mind. With all of the apps that I have to check in order to like communicate with people, right? Um, we have to check all of that stuff and the expectation is that me as the recipient of the communication, I have to be on all of those things all the time in order to communicate back. So that was part of the bargain that we didn't really know. Now you'll have to always be on, communicate with all these different means. Now some of these things we don't know yet. Like, I don't think we know three and four totally. Uh, but ChatGPT has already kind of given us a little bit of that. So as far as you guys can know. Can you Yeah, John, you're probably, or Jay, you guys probably know better than I Yeah, do. so ChatGPT was, um, it, so AI isn't anything like new within the last year. It's been going on for a long time. And so ChatGPT is a company that created, it's just basically like a text chat. So you can just type it in and then you're interfacing with the AI and it, it, it just types back to you. Uh, the big thing why ChatGPT is getting so much attention was because it made AI accessible. Mm -hmm. So compared to the internet, ChatGPT is kind of like the dial-up that when all of a sudden when people could go through AOL and hear those screeching noises to get to the internet, that's kind of like what ChatGPT is right now. So it's mainly you talk, you type to it, and it just kind of visually like, you know, reads stuff back to you. But now we're starting to get into where you can do like image generation, uh, they now have on the phone, like you can literally just push a button on the phone and you can have a conversation with it. Uh, so it will audibly talk back to you now. Um, and it's, it's a company that's been 
kind of like the first major, of how many users, 100? Over 100 million users. So it's getting a lot of attention. Um, I remember when Facebook hit 100 million users, that took a long time. Mm -hmm. And this hit it in like yeah. a, less in than a year. year. Even less than that. Yeah. A month or two. Six yeah. months. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's crazy. And the other way to think about it is, you know how you text with people? You just do texting? Well, this is texting only, it's with a computer and not with a person. And the computer's answering you as if it were a person, but it's just crunching all this data to answer you. So ChatGPT is an interface that allows you to essentially just talk to a computer and access all that information that's, that it's crunched on. And there are many AIs. So ChatGPT is just one of them. Uh, the silent giant is what I'm calling Google right now. They came out with something called Baird. Uh, just like ChatGPT, what they had to do is they had to build their systems and then they had to go find the information. That's a lot of effort. Uh, where Google, we've been giving our data to Google for a long time. They have like, what, 90% plus 95%, I think, of search traffic is Google. So they already have the information and they have the computing power. So now we're seeing more AI alternatives come up. And now we just had one called Grok uh, <laughs> <Musk>. <laughs> by Elon Musk, which uh, his announcement was, it's chat GBT, but with a lot more sarcasm and humor. If you don't like it, don't use it. And so that's been like an AI that's been uh, very vocally saying of like, we, we prevent it from, we kind of strip away some safeguards and trainings, like certain things of like, hey, we don't want to go there. They like the humor, so they're kind of encouraging it. His whole promo was like, this will spit vulgar information at you if you ask it to. And it's like, I don't know if that's what we want, Elon, but whatever. Yeah. I digress. Okay. Going back to this, John. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, but I'll, I had a thought on this yeah, one. Anyone's. Go with any AI, yeah. ChatGPT, whatever comes to mind. Yeah, but, but so, like, using this, um, this little set of four, one of the thoughts I had was, uh, you know, if you read a book, right, um, it says, so now you can get a summary of a book without ever having to read it, right? Mm -hmm. You could say, as long as as long as it knows about the book, as long as it's not so recent it doesn't know, you can say, give me a summary of this book and it'll pump out. You can even say, give me a summary that's 400 words long. You can <laughs> specify the number of words, it'll give you a summary that long, right? So you can get a summary and now you no longer have to read the book, right? Great, awesome. But you'll no longer be able to know what, the what was really said, meaning a lot of nuance in that book that essentially is gonna mm -hmm. be mostly invisible to you uh, um, if you go this way. And now you're actually going to have to revalidate what the author actually said by going back and listening to interviews or going back and reading the book or whatever you have to do. You're going to have to go check back everything because now you won't know, is that really what they meant? Or, mm -hmm. So there's, there's this uh, give and take that you're going to have even with something as simple as getting a summary of a book. Yeah, yeah that's good. I wonder if content creators are going to just give away less information online for free, which is probably where that's going, right? Yeah, anyway. yeah it's, it's Jay, a huge problem. I mean, that's how we run a technical blog. So we post a lot of free information so that we rank in Google, people click on our article, and then we'll sell a book with it. So we give them like a free piece of information. Oh, mm -hmm. while you're here, buy our book. But the problem is, is that uh, ChatGPT is like scraping all of our stuff and then just training it and then they share that answer and then our traffic is actually plummeted uh, by mm. over 20% since July really? uh, because mm. mo so many people are no longer Googling. Like even me, like yeah. I don't Google as much anymore. I just put it right into the AI and then it just tells me my answer and I don't go to any websites. Mm. Or now yeah. you can actually have ChatGPT, hey, here's a huge link 
can you summarize this for me? And it will browse it for you, then spit out the summary that you want. Kind of like what John was saying with the book. Hmm. Yeah. So any more on, on this, the four components of the innovation bargain? What are some of the promises that AI is telling us that, hey, now you'll be able to, or now you'll no longer have to? What are some of the promises so that we can be aware of them? Yeah, I mean, your, your ability to create content is now like tenfold. Um, there's like a startup called Photo AI where you can upload a picture of your face and it learns it. And so a lot of people are even like in like weddings, you know, like they're, they're creating certain things of, hey, this is what our wedding looked like and it's not truly what it was, you know, things like, that. <laughs> like holiday photos, <laughs> like holiday photos. Like if you have a, a family that's spread out across the country, you upload your face and it will recreate scenes of you. Uh, he actually held a black tie gala event in New York City and posted all the photos of everybody there. A hundred percent of it was fake. Wow. Yeah, I've been seeing Google, uh, Google has a phone where like you can take the picture and it'll auto correct. Like if somebody's looking away or something, it'll just auto correct their face. I've been seeing that in advertising. Similar. Yeah, John. Any other thoughts? Um, I don't have any more. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Appreciate, <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, guys. Yeah. I think, I think with this, it's just important for us to know. So, like, I really don't think we know three and four yet, um, but I think we need to be aware of it. With those, I think we can say some things about ChatGPT and, and what it, it has already done because it's been around a while. Some of the new AI that comes out, I don't think we will know. So, like, for number three, you'll no longer be able to, like, like John was saying, like really know the source <laughs> of the content that you're getting unless you type in a proper prompt. Um, and even that you'll, you'll, you'll no longer be able to know the nuance of what the author actually said. Like you'll only get the clip notes version or you don't know if the AI is actually accurately interpreting what the author has said. Um, and yeah, now we'll have to... We'll have to trust that AI knows what it's talking about, I think, is part of, is part of the bargain that we're going to make with it. Um, Okay, so what are, what are some, okay, lots of people are worried about AI kind of taking over whole categories of jobs, right? And that's a reality that we're going to experience and has already started to a degree. So can you speak to those who are generally concerned about this? Um, where is their concern well-founded? What types of jobs are most at risk? And give us hope, give us some sort of hope in the midst of this. John, maybe you answer the whole part. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so there is going to be a, a big change. It's going to be kind of like the TV repairman. Um, you know, he may be out of his TV repairman job, but the hope is that we move on to better jobs after that. Uh, you know, but uh, the biggest thing is, is yes, it is very true. A Goldman Sachs report was estimating that 45% I think it was of business administrative and legal were the top two categories of anything in like a summary position of that you take data in, you go through and you summarize it and you present it. Those are the jobs that are probably going to be the most affected. Um, writers are seeing a, a very big yeah. challenge right now. I think photography is a big thing. I was hoping that video was going to kind of like live a little bit longer, but it's, it's, it's doing that now of mm. generating all this video. So the speed of it is the part that's the big unknown. We will adapt this as a society. So I'm sure there's going to be some sort of human intervention to try and, and make sure that this rolls out appropriately. But uh, I think it's going to be a big science experiment mm. and we'll see how it turns out. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think what I've been watching is that the pace of change is much faster than our organization's ability to adapt, Mm -hmm. meaning that the pace of job loss will be faster than our companies figure out how to then reorient, refocus, and, and retool or train, which means that a lot of people in our church are going to be going through some really hard challenges over the next year or two as they wrestle with what training they need, is their job still there, is their job just really different than it was before, are they essentially being asked to do a lot more work because now the, they're expected to have the AI essentially make it possible for them to do more. And so I think what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to have a lot of empathy and we're going to have to have a lot of, of compassion for people as they wrestle and go through this. It's going to take them a lot of work. And, mm-hmm. and people are already overwhelmed with change, right? There's just so many changes going on in life in general. And so to have something this significant happen on top of everything else really is a, just a, a real weight on people's mm-hmm. minds and hearts. So, yeah, I think um, one of the things, like a great example, Jay, like you were talking about the kind of jobs, the real challenge with these jobs is that, you know, we're used to the narrative about losing manufacturing jobs, right? That's been around since the 70s, 80s. Okay? The manufacturing jobs are going away, right? Well, this is the white-collar jobs. Mm-hmm. These are the office jobs that are being impacted. And there's, that's a whole new narrative, and that's whacking out a whole new set of people. Like LinkedIn, for instance. If you're on LinkedIn, all the people that are on LinkedIn are all of a sudden freaking out because their world is changing really fast. It's more of the, that kind of office work. A great example is someone who's looking at the scans, like... Uh, is it a radiologist? Is that, that, yeah, that's what it would be. A radiologist looking at scans, like brain scans, and assessing is there a tumor, that sort of thing. Well, AI will essentially be able to do that way better than a human could ever do that. So all the radiologists in the world are going to have to really do some pivoting to figure out what's the really human part mm-hmm. of what radiology is really all about. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be really challenging because the big thing that they've been doing is looking at scans, identifying things, and then mm-hmm. reporting back to the doctor. Well, a lot of that is now going to be done by computers, and so that, that's where it's going to be a real struggle for people. And John, you teed up my next question so well. Well <laughs> done. So what, what are some of the human components that we sh- can't lose or we shouldn't lose in this integration of AI into our society? Well, the biggest thing is is just like the, the truth in relationship. I actually saw another article this mm-hmm. morning. There was a, a company who announced their first AI CEO, the CEO is 100% AI-driven. So there is a science experiment going on there. And so just being very intentional with our relationships and, and staying to that human form, um, kind of building off the last question a little bit, too, of embracing it, using it as a tool, but keeping AI in that uh, realm of your mindset of it is a tool to help me get something mm-hmm. done, not really form a relationship with. Yeah. yeah. As I was thinking about this one, I think... Um, if you go into scripture and you say, where did God tell me to do something? All right? Okay, so just think about, you go through scripture, think about all the things God told us to do. Well, those aren't changing, right? Mm-hmm. AI should never do any of those things. Or think about, what are the things that Jesus did? God sent Jesus, part of the Trinity, down to earth in human form to do a bunch of specific things that is part of bringing in the kingdom. If you look at all the things Jesus was up to, those are things that, He's now put in us to do through his Holy Spirit. Those should not be given to AI, right? Mm-hmm. Those are truly human things God has asked us to do. Mm-hmm. So I think using that as a matrix or a, or a guide to help us identify some of that can be helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. And again, you te- teed up my next question super well there, John. Um, how, how can AI be, be helpful 
for our spiritual growth and discipleship? Um, what kind of things are we going to be wrestling with? You already mentioned a lot of folks in the church are going to be anxious, nervous, worried about where this is headed. Um, how do you see this whole process like as an opportunity for spiritual growth? Where do you see it as a challenge? And just how can we be thinking about this through the lens of our spiritual growth and formation? Well, I think John can speak mainly. I like your translation of the Bibles, uh, speak on that. But just on like the hope side of it, even me, you know, bottling in my whole like, oh, this could be the doom, right? Like <laughs> this flat out won't be doomsday. Um, it's just going to be a change. It's going to be very fast. Uh, we And we will be fine as long as us individually, every single one of us can take the discipline to be like, huh, this seems very alarmist. It's probably trying to be that way. I'm going to just stick to truth and just kind of control my reaction to it. You know, you're only going to make the problem worse if you panic and then just spread this information all around. So just being aware and being disciplined, I think, will definitely give us mm -hmm. a lot of hope through this change. It's going to be different, but it's, we'll figure it out. It will be okay. Like, mm -hmm. life will be good. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I think as I think about our, uh, how it affects our spiritual lives, um, this is going to be a tool that helps us have a lot more um, mastery and intentionality if we use it properly. So, for instance, let me just give you an example. Like, imagine I'm going to have coffee with someone who's really struggling with a certain thing. Let's say, let's say maybe they're struggling in their marriage or maybe with a child and struggling with something going on. You know, AI would be a, is a great tool. You can say to it, hey, if I was going to have a conversation with someone who is wrestling with um, this particular problem, what are some questions I could ask them? And it's going to give mm -hmm. you back probably some pretty helpful questions. Obviously, you have to assess them. But, um, but it's going to help us be a lot more responsive, right? Even, so a great example, someone asked me the other day of, about an application with, with Scripture that we could do. And, I, and one, one example was a conflicts, like person-to-person person -person conflicts or interpersonal conflicts. Like um, you could say to ChatGPT or any tool out there, you can say, what are, um, what are 10 verses in the Bible that have to do with, um, with, with interpersonal conflict? And it's going to give you 10 verses. Now, they may or may not be the best ones you got to assess, right? Mm -hmm. They say, what are 10 book, Christian books that I should consider reading about interpersonal uh, issues? And it'll give you 10 of those. Now, that doesn't, again, take away my job. But, man, if I had to Google all that, that would have taken me, let's say, 20 minutes, 30 mm -hmm. minutes to do. I now got that in five minutes, which now allows me more time to jump in and actually wrestle with the stuff itself. Yeah. So it can, it can help get you into things a lot quicker. And I think that's an area that's really going to help with our spiritual lives is it, it's a pathway in to our exploration and, mm -hmm. and, uh, and our searching. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. I appreciate that, John. Talk about and your uh, translation application, too. Oh, so because SIL does, we do Bible <laughs> translation, it's helping so much with Bible mm -hmm. translators. Yeah. So, you know, there's 7,000 languages in the world, about two or 3,000 at least have some scripture level in them. Then the rest, you know, about 4,000 languages don't have scripture yet. Mm -hmm. So a ton of work to do, and it takes a long time. Uh, we're finding that, um, that AI is helping us to shorten the time it takes a Bible translator to do that work. Mm -hmm. to, it's giving prompts. It's helping them do the work. It's helping them think through things. It's giving them the ability to be more intentional, spend more time with the people they're wanting to work with, the people in the local communities, rather than 
um, than doing some of the studying they would have had to do just to pull up the materials. So it's making something that was 20 years maybe. Hmm. In the end, it may only be five years to get the Bible done versus 20 years. Wow. So potentially huge impacts there wow. in getting yeah. people scripture. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, the good and the bad. <laughs> a lot of positives there that help, though. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a ton of positives, and we can't look at, although that we're kind of like building this up, like, whoa, AI is a very powerful tool, and, it could, and we're kind of getting on like the scarier side of it. It could be used misappropriately. But at the end of the day, just because information came from a human-generated source over an artificial intelligence source doesn't make either one truth. Yeah. more than the other like you still need your disciplines and that's mm -hmm. what I hope you know when in my world being in the information technology and seeing on how information transmits I hope that society increases our discipline of validating where things are coming from that are being able to see where information where there is bias that's persuading us to do something you look you look for certain words and this and that and it's just like well, you don't go to both wrongs and come up with a right. You need to find truth, and that's the, the number one thing of, of finding honesty and, and what clarity in, in truth itself. Mm. Mm. Amen. Oh. <laughs> Preach it, Jay. All right, so all right, let's, let's transition. All right, we're a couple minutes late, but we could gain time. So let's, uh, let's move on to the table conversations. Let's thank these guys for their expertise and words of wisdom. Thanks, John and Jay.